You're listening to Strong Runner Chick Radio, where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to leave a review on iTunes or any platform of your choosing or share it with someone who might find this episode helpful. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. Happy, happy Monday for those of you tuning in on a Monday. Hope you're having a wonderful start to your week so far. Also, happy Valentine's Day, or um, as I should say, Galentine's. I did a Galentine's brunch yesterday with some girlfriends, and it was so needed and just super nice. Um, Regardless of whether you have a special person or Valentine in your life, it's super, super nice to share with your girlfriends or any kind of friends that you're grateful for them. And I think that's what this holiday is all about. So get off my Valentine's soapbox, but I hope you're having a lovely week and you've got somebody to kind of share with, even if it's a friend of yours or a puppy or cat of yours. Um, it's good to show some love and to yourself. <laughs> so anyway, I will get into this episode. We talk about self-care, self-love a little bit. We also talk about fueling and how as runners, we can foster a healthier relationship with our bodies, with food, and with sport. So introducing today's guest is Natalie Robertello. She is an MS, RD, uh, certified sports dietitian, and a CDN. She has tons of credentials, not only credentials, but she also has her own business called B-Fueled Sports Nutrition. Um, so she is the owner of B-Fueled Sports Nutrition. She's also a sports dietitian and really has a passion for teaching runners and triathletes how to fuel more practically. First as humans, love this quote, first as humans, then as athletes. Natalie is an avid runner and also a triathlete. Outside of training, she loves to cook and explore the outdoors. So in this episode, we dive into so many things. Um, You can find Natalie at BeFueledSN.com. And she also has, of course, the the Instagram and social media, which she'll share at the end of the episode on how to connect with her. So hope you enjoy this one. And please, please leave a review. We would love a five-star review or just share it on social media if you've enjoyed this episode. If you've enjoyed any episodes, we are hitting close to 200. I also want to give a shout out, which you'll hear from in a moment, to Athlete Blood Test. They have supported us through this Health as a Foundation to Sports series. And um, yeah, I just want to say you're going to hear from some wonderful other guests that we have as well. So enjoy this one with Natalie today. I hope you turn, tune back in to some of the other guests we've had on the show thus far and have a wonderful week. All right, here we go. Special shout out to today's sponsor and the sponsor of this entire Health as a Foundation to Sports series, Athlete Blood Test. They provide individualized, athlete-specific blood analysis to discover your unique nutrition, training, and recovery needs. Join the thousands of enthusiasts, elites, and pros that have already used Athlete Blood Test to help reach their goals. Testing is easy. Simply go to athletebloodtest.com, choose your panel, and schedule an appointment at a conveniently located lab core. Whether you're running your first marathon or competing to win, we're cheering for you, and we can help you get there. Use code SRC15 for 15% off your first panel. Cool. 
Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome to another episode of SRC Radio. It is Megan on today with the Health as a Foundation to Performance series. And I have guest Natalie Robertello joining me, who is a, she's a master's of science, registered dietitian, uh, specify or special specifying. I cannot pronounce today. She specializes in sports nutrition. So we are going to dive all into her, um, her business. She has called be fueled sports nutrition, and she is passionate about teaching runners and triathletes how to fuel practically first as humans, then as athletes. Athletes. I just love that. Natalie is an avid runner and triathlete herself. Outside of training, she she loves to cook and explore the outdoors. She's particularly passionate about fostering a healthy relationship with food and body, discussing relative energy deficiency in sport and ultra endurance nutrition. Natalie, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, after I got my words straight there for your introduction, <laughs> maybe, That's a maybe hard word to say. <laughs> yes, you specialize in quite a bit here. Um, I was also looking at your many acronyms uh, after your name and was just very impressed with all that you have accomplished thus far as um, you know, just being as, I guess, knowledgeable as you can as a, um, registered dietitian. I know even just becoming a dietitian takes so much, um, schooling and credentialing. And then there's the sports nutrition focus points, which you seem really well interested and invested in, um, with your athletes you work with. So I wanted to dive into you first, like as a human, as a person, as an athlete, personally, how did you get interested in running and, or, um, being a triathlete? Hi. It's funny. I, I tell people this. I used to hate running. I used to not like it at all. And I grew up playing a good variety of sports. I played soccer. I did track and cross country. I did, I played basketball and really the one thing in common across all of those things, which is why I didn't last too long when we talk about track or cross country is because I didn't like the running portion. It just felt so hard and I was just not, not about it, <laughs> but I wanted to continue my love of sport in some way, especially coming out of high school. So as I started to kind of take some general studies in under in um, undergrad at a community college, I started to realize that I really wanted to become a dietitian that worked with athletes. I figured that was the best way to kind of connect that and continue that. Very nice. Yeah. So going from, you know, doing like your own athletic or, you know, from your own athletic journey into nutrition as a career, what were some of the things that you started to notice when, um, taking it a step further and starting to work with runners and athletes? That's, and that's a great question. And, you know, to go back for a second too, it wasn't really into a few years into college that I actually began, began calling myself a runner in general. I would, I'd run on the treadmill or outside occasionally, but, um, as I continued in my education and I went into the dietetic internship when I had moved before I became a dietitian. That is where my love of running really blossomed. And that is for me where I found that personal connection of, yes, I want to work with, I want to work with athletes, but I specifically want to work with endurance athletes because I really started to understand that world and kind of bridge that connection. Hmm. Yeah. So I can tell there's really that passion for, um, better understanding. It sounds like understanding kind of the why behind nutrition and fueling and, um, what really is involved in it. And 
I'm kind of wondering what were some maybe early discoveries you had either for your own personal nutrition journey or for, for professional, like professionally working with others. Uh, that, and that, that's a, a great question. And I, you know, again, from a lot of, I feel this is probably pretty normal for a lot of people, but from personal experiences, I think you kind of lead your way into spaces that um, you, you want to be in to help people. So, you know, for myself, when I did my first marathon, that was one of the hardest things that I had ever done at that time. The training was was intense. And uh, before that, I did a half marathon. So of course, in my head, I was like, okay, well, the natural progression is that that full marathon. So I went ahead and I trained for it. And my experience with doing that was mile, gosh, what was it? I feel like it was just yesterday, uh, but it was mile 20 or was it, yeah, it was around mile 20. I just bonked. I just hit the wall and it was such a horrible experience <laughs> that I, afterwards, once I kind of crawled myself over the finish line, bawling my eyes out, I had to reflect on afterwards and think to myself, okay, what didn't quite go right? And so my personal experience in the past was underfueling. It was not eating enough and not kind of giving, not, not giving my body what I needed, really needed to give it to be able to support it in the distances and activity that I was doing. Yeah. Wow. That's, I feel like pretty profound when you have that personal experience with it too, and understanding what all goes into fueling and hydration and getting enough, um, as an athlete that can be so tough. Now, when you first discovered like that, you might be under fueling, you know, what were maybe some things that you did, like actions you took to help address that or to better understand how to fuel as a runner? Yeah. And, you know, I will say at the time, truthfully, I don't believe at that time, my relationship with food was the best. I think I, I don't think I know that I was struggling with my nutrition at that time. And I hadn't before. It's very interesting. Um, and I think a lot of other dietitians might uh, be able to agree with this, but it wasn't before my uh, dietetic internship that I actually uh, really struggled with food at all. It wasn't, it wasn't an issue, but when you start to learn about nutrition in a very like clinical way that they teach it, mm-hmm. it can become very rigid. And so that's, I feel, um, and the people that I was surrounding myself uh, sometimes with at that time uh, was putting me in, in a negative headspace with nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I had to really go through and kind of clean things up in a way uh, to be able to foster that uh, more healthy relationship with food and kind of set myself on the right path. So really my action step was really getting myself in the right headspace and making sure that I was eating more. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, started off that path as I share sometimes down the RD track and just was so deterred away from the clinical space. And like, I think just, um, yeah, definitely felt myself falling into some of those patterns or saw it with classmates falling into those patterns that we sometimes learn for general population and quotations that like just are not specific to athletes and maybe not even for general population people, you know, just guidance that we're giving or all the tracking that goes into it. I mean, I remember an assignment in school, you probably had these two where you're like asked to write everything down that you're eating for three to five days. And it's like, that can just not be good for people, especially those that are already kind of in that negative headspace or struggling in any way with, with food. So yeah, 
It's tough, yeah. but I know it's changed a little bit, hopefully in some ways. It, it, it has and it has. We, we're definitely making strides, but there's still more work to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess kind of moving on from here, like when it comes to being a dietitian, what were some of the light bulbs in like the favorite aspects of your job and maybe any challenges that you constantly face, um, working with athletes and runners specifically? Yeah, I, I will say the, the most exciting and the most fun part of my job is the connection that I get to have with other people, uh, especially since I, moved into having my own private practice, I just have this ability to connect with people in ways that I wasn't able to before, which means I, we have enough time to actually get to these, these deeper conversations, because a lot of people believe when they're working with a dietitian, it's, you know, eat this or don't eat that, but really eating is so much more than just, you know, surface level stuff of eat this, don't eat that. There's such a such a deeper, deeper level that we get to. So just having people be able to be so vulnerable with me about the relationship with food and exercise is, is one of my favorite parts of the job. I feel like we're, we're teammates in a way with their, with their health. I love that perspective, like teammates with them and helping them along versus this like thing that you learn in school about the RD being the expert and telling you what to do. And I think a lot of people are expecting that when they meet with a dietitian, but maybe um, pleasantly surprised that you're, you're more like trying to work alongside them and help them along their food journey. So yeah, when it comes to like our relationship with food and athletes, where do you see with food as athletes? I'm like, what, where are my words today? When it comes to our relationship with food, both as runners or athletes, um, where do you see we have the most room to improve or, you know, some common patterns we get stuck in? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see room to improve with the way that we just think about food truthfully and what we think and what we say about our body or our food choices. So, you know, you are a runner, you are an endurance athlete, but you first are a human and you're a human with needs. So proper nutrition is was one of those needs. Nutrition is one of those things. So I really encourage people to think about how can I best support my body? And if, if we're constantly asking questions like that, usually we can come up, come up with the right answer and the right next step. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So I guess kind of like digging a bit deeper into that, what are some of those maybe like next steps or, um, you know, for anyone listening, that's maybe struggling with their relationship with food or just wants to know more about how they can improve that. Where would you suggest they start? Are there any books, resources, like tools out there that you maybe use with your clients or athletes you work with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of, I think one of the first things to do is if you know that you have maybe not the best relationship with food, um, there's a couple, couple steps. I mean, it, it's, it's twofold, I guess. Um, do you need the support of, you know, a therapist or a counselor for one? Um, that would be an incredible first step. But also when we think about food, we think, you know, we consume food, but it's also important to be able to step in and maybe address what you're consuming visually <laughs> and what you're taking in each day, maybe on the internet and social media, because that, who are you, who you're surrounding yourself with is very important to how you're going to think and feel about your body. Of course, it's not going to be the only thing, but it's going to have a big influence. So 
absolutely kind of go through your, your social media, maybe go through your emails, see what, see what's going to be there that is not going to best support you in the step that you want to take to improving your relationship with food. Oh, those are some big ones. Yeah. To really go through. Um, you spoke there a little bit about how your social circle or the, it sounds like the people you interact with can really influence that. I'm wondering if you can elaborate at all, like either personally or just with an athlete and, you know, obviously keep their info confidential, but like how, how could that affect someone? You know, I encourage those to think about like teammates, if you're on a running team or like family members and how that kind of plays into it. Yeah. And and you can't, you know, I know it's not as simple as, you know, mom says this, so I'm, I'm just going to not talk to mom anymore. I know it's not as simple as that, but, you know, being able to perhaps set a bit of a boundary, especially if it's, maybe it's a a triggering conversation or there are triggering comments that, that people make, maybe it's about a specific food, or maybe it's about um, someone picking apart their body. If those things are are triggering you a little bit to maybe not have the best relationship with food or, or make you feel bad about yourself, there's nothing wrong with setting a little bit of a boundary. And a boundary doesn't mean not talking to that person anymore, but it might be, uh, potentially limiting your exposure or changing, changing the conversation or, you know, bringing something else up. Or if you feel comfortable with that person, you know, asking if maybe they're, you didn't talk about that specific topic. And I, I know that's hard to do. Um, but the more you do it, I, I promise the easier it gets. Absolutely. Yeah. I, like you said, the more you do it, the easier it gets. I think it's just a practice we have to work on day in and day out, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to those influences for, um, yeah, yeah, for anyone that's, um, maybe going a step further into like red S, um, as a, you know, a common pattern in runners, um, are, I guess better, a better way to say it or ask it the, um, question of like, are there any patterns that you see among those that are struggling with red S and how we might begin to address it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, you did ask about, you know, resources. Um, One of my favorite, favorite books, and it goes around this topic, is by Rebecca McConville, and she's a sports dietitian. And she does a lot of work around res. And she has a great, as you would say, I'm going to put air quotes here, airplane read on res, and it's called The Sweet Spot. It is a fantastic read for anyone who just in general wants to understand a little bit more about what red F is and or potentially just kind of learn a little bit about the science when it comes to working on improving your relationship with food. I highly recommend it. I love it. Um, I'm writing that down as we speak. The sweet spot you said, that sounds like a good read. I'm like, I haven't heard of that one yet. There are so many good books out there now. A lot more too, I think on, um, I guess the concept too, that's a little dicey for runners or athletes of like intuitive eating or mindful eating. And like, how do we navigate that as athletes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tricky one because it, it doesn't require, how do I say this? They definitely have, you know, guidelines within for intuitive eating, for example, it has guidelines within but I think what can turn it off for some people or turn some people off to it is it's a lot more, well, I hate to use a word to describe the word, but it's a lot more intuitive approach, meaning there's not, you know, specific numbers involved. It's a lot more of really thinking about how you feel and kind of making it your own 
versus following specific strict guidelines. Uh, within the world of, of um, endurance, though, and within the world of sports, it can get a little bit tricky with intuitive eating because we can't, I'll give the example actually of you have a really intense, intense day. Let's say you're going out for a really long run and you come back and you know you should probably eat something, but your appetite is just really tight. That is where intuitive eating comes in to say, okay, I might not be hungry right now because honoring your hunger is one of those principles, like when you're hungry, eat. Mm -hmm. Maybe when you're not so hungry, maybe you don't have to. But knowing that you're finishing up that run and knowing you need carbohydrates and protein and fluids to fuel, even though you might not be hungry, it's self-care and working on recovery as a runner to be able to make sure that meal happens. Now, it might look different. You might make yourself a smoothie versus maybe sitting down and have a, a well-balanced plate, but nonetheless, it's self-care. So it just changes a little bit, I think, for athletes, for endurance athletes. Hmm, that's a good point. Yeah. So it really can be a matter of like just making sure you're getting enough and needing to maybe feel more than your body is. If you're trying to tune into those hunger cues, we know that those can be thrown off as we're running or, you know, training or whatever we're doing. So very good point there. Yeah. 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 There's a certainly hormonal changes that are happening after intense efforts like that, that are reducing our appetite. So um, I guess the more, you know, what that kind of stuff is important. Certainly. Yeah. I feel like red S is just an area we can't cover enough, um, with, with listener questions coming through about it. And just like wondering if you have any other maybe points around that, that we just haven't even covered. Like, is there maybe research that's coming out that you're seeing in red S or like, are there common, um, themes you're seeing in athletes that are maybe recovering from red S and how you've seen those approaches go. I just, I know for instance, like I read no period now what by, um, Nicola Rinaldi, Dr. Nicola Rinaldi. And I had struggled with red S in the past and I thought the book was really helpful. However, for me personally, I think it's just different for everyone. Right. But like for me personally, I didn't end up needing to take a whole month or two months off before restoring everything. Right. And so I know again, for people that's different though, some people may need to take that total step back from running. Um, for me, it was okay to have a little bit of it, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are around like red S recovery and what that process looks like. And that's such a good point. It is different for everyone. And I think that when people are going through it, they struggle with that because if they're maybe talking to people about it, or uh, maybe they're, for example, talking to a physician that says, okay, normally after, let's say they, someone has lost their menstrual, their mm -hmm. menstrual cycle, and their physician has told them, well, it usually takes X amount of time. Well, then they're kind of holding themselves to this timeline. And if not, they're feeling, okay, well, something, something else might be wrong with me, but it just takes different amounts of time for different people. Hmm. But being able to, I think, first really identify it in its very early stages is the key to being able to work work on it and come out of it a bit quicker. Mm -hmm. So being able to understand that if you're feeling fatigued or you're getting you're having reoccurring illnesses or injuries or there's loss of focus, you're having GI issues, decreased performance or muscle recovery, all of these things would be a light bulb should go off to assess it. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have it, but those things should kind of go off as a red or a yellow flag, let's say that 
something is off and I should check my engine and I should see if this is worth exploring more. Is there something more going on? Um, likely there is, it might not be read up, but you might, you might need to address other facets mm -hmm. of either nutrition or health. Yeah. Yeah. Really good point there to think about that and what, what else might play into it. And on that note, in terms of like health as a foundation to performance, which is all about this theme. And I really love that you had said you, you take people as humans and then athletes. What does that concept kind of mean to you? What does that mean as, um, as we're most of us listening are probably athletes, but how can we think of ourselves as humans first? Yeah, the world of sports nutrition in general, while I love it, I feel for so many years has more so thought of athletes as machines and, and parts essentially. Um, so when we look at it like that, machines and parts, like we're using these mathematical equations and all this, all this um, maybe rigid science and rigid math to be able to do these things. And in nutrition, it could be that way too. Okay, we, we pop your information into a um, a formula that was developed, you know, so many years ago, and, it, and it's still science-based, but here's a number to attach you to. Okay, what are your protein needs? Okay, here's a number to attach you to. So when we're just giving giving numbers and saying, okay, eat, eat X amount of chicken to get your protein, I don't feel that that really helps people build a connection with themselves. And when I'm working with people, I don't, I don't, as much as I really enjoy the people that I work with, I want them to learn something from that to be able to take with them after. So being able to treat yourself as a human is that you have, you have basic needs first. And just because you're a runner, it does mean you have, you have higher needs for certain amounts. You have higher needs for energy and certain amounts of food, but it might not change all that much from you just as a human, you as you as not a runner. Good, good point. Yeah. Um, to think about it as how much you need as a human versus like a runner and how do you balance that? I guess when you're, you're taking downtime during maybe the off season or, you know, versus like higher, heavier training load type type of days. Yeah. So that is, a, that's kind of part of this. And, and I'm glad you asked this question because that's a common question I get from my clients. It's okay. We're going into the off season. Um, how do how does my nutrition change? And we explore that a little bit. We explore that and talk about it. You know, how how do you think that changes? Because I, I like to hear people's kind of ideas and perceptions about it. But when it comes when it comes down to it, are you truthfully taking that much time off for movement and activity? Mm -hmm. um, because when we're talking about these things, you know, how often are you moving? How often are you maybe running? So this all plays into the equation. So your food intake might not look all that different. What might look a little bit different is your intro workout nutrition. If your runs are a little bit shorter, you might, you might not have to rely as heavily on, um, you know, carbohydrate containing um, supplements during your workout fluids and things like, you know, carbohydrate containing the fluids, I should say, during your workout. So we kind of explore that on an individual level, but that is when I more so lean into hunger cues and a little bit more intuitiveness because I don't feel that we always have to be this machine <laughs> throughout the different seasons of our, our running time and career. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point to not only see our bodies as machines that they are, you know, in sport, but they are human bodies too. And they have a lot more to them, um, that, you know, to consider, um, along these lines, are there any kind of recommendations around, 
making sure that we are taking care of our health first as athletes, whether it's like checkpoints that you encourage people to check in on or questions to kind of be asking themselves, or maybe even getting certain tests done just to be sure that they're in a healthy space. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, oftentimes when I'm working with clients, we, we establish this um, tech engine system. So, and especially kind of near the end of our time, maybe we're finishing up working together, it's developing their own check engine system. So basically we're taking things that were of concern maybe prior to working together that had been addressed. And, and even if you hadn't worked with a dietitian, what are some things that you want to keep in check that affects your nutrition or affects your performance? So are you getting at least seven to nine hours of sleep per night? Are you effectively managing your stress? Because we know stress affects, potentially affects sleep. And then that affects your nutrition. Um, you may not feel like putting yourself together balanced meals when you're not feeling so well there. So sleep management, um, your stress management, even checking in on your mood. That's another big one when we're, I, I don't know about you, Megan, but I am a person that gets hangry. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> my husband's like, okay, we, we have to get you food. It doesn't happen often because okay. I know, I know myself, I, I do not want to uh, bring that, that side out with me. So your mood is another important one mm -hmm. and performance is another important one too. And, and even if you kind of want to give yourself, I hate to say a rating, but if you can kind of do this from a place of, of compassion, I don't think it's such, such a, a poor thing to kind of give yourself a rating on a scale of one to five, like where you weigh in on these things, especially if you journal at all, it might be nice to kind of incorporate that in and say, okay, where am I on the scale? And do I notice any patterns between mm -hmm. some of these biofeedback markers that might develop a trend is something I can address. Yeah. So kind of keeping track of trends over time is just as important as those day-to-day. -day yeah. 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 And as, as far as, as far as labs and, and tests go, you know, for, for runners, and I'm, I'm a big one that I know a lot of people are familiar with would be, you know, to regularly go for lab work with your PTP mm -hmm. or whoever is doing your lab test, your, your testing, iron is a big one for runners. We know this, and especially if you're a vegan or vegetarian athlete, we really want to look at things like iron and B12 mm -hmm. to make sure that those things are in optimal ranges and good ranges to support mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, those would be the two big ones. And then additionally, vitamin D is extremely important. Um, dependent on where you live, but um, and at least up, up here in New York, <laughs> I know it's really important and something that that is falling through the winter months. So vitamin D being the other big one for performance as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a big one to, to address. And I heard somewhere that like 90% of people, I mean, it's a high number up there in, in recent studies were um, reported low vitamin D. Maybe that's just through the winter months. I haven't checked into that one enough, but it's up there. Yeah. 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 It, it is, it is pretty common. And again, things that intertwine that can affect your mood that could affect your sleep, you know, so there are, or your fatigue levels, like there are so many, you know, connections between all of these things. Yeah, most definitely. So, um, let's come back a little bit to, I guess the role of community, because you had said in the beginning, the connections that you have with your clients, with your athletes are some of the most important. I want to know like what role communities played for you in all of this. And maybe it's in the dietetics world or also in the sport of running and how that's been out in Buffalo where you're located. Oh my gosh, so much. It, it, it 
there's a desire for me to continue to work on this in 2022 because I really feel I came more so into it in a better headspace in 2020 and 2021. But as I was mentioning before, I originally got into running when I moved to Buffalo. So around 2011, I started, I found my first community essentially with running when I started running with a group of women who were in my dietetic internship. And this led me to doing my first half marathon. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I, I kind of got the bug. I was joining different um, different groups out here in Buffalo, the Greater Buffalo Track Club and Fleet Feet. Um, they supported me through you know, half marathons and eventually my full marathon. But I wasn't in a place then personally to be able to enjoy a running community the way that I wanted to because I was so focused on numbers and, and pace at that time. And I'm sure that you experienced this or have experienced this mm-hmm. um, with, with clients, but it, it's so, it was very hard to overcome that. And I had, you know, a personal experience with change that for me, but at that time kind of had a tumultuous relationship with joining in those communities and, and really thriving in them because I wanted to make friends. I wanted to like have meaningful conversations, but I always focused, found myself focused in a pace and I'm in the middle of a pack. So how could I even make friends and have conversations if I wasn't taking the time to actually foster those? Yeah. Oh, that is so, so important. And I feel like one of the key maybe forgotten or overlooked pieces of the journey through red S or struggling with something like under fueling that you can actually lose connections with others. Even if you're just too focused on the numbers, whether that's your pace, your miles, or, you know, just maybe avoiding group runs for that reason. I think there's something to be found and, and just enjoying a group run. And, you know, sometimes it may be slower than you would go or less miles, but, you know, and enjoying it just for the sake of it being a chance to connect. So. Uh, Exactly. And that's what last this past year, 2021 really taught me. I, you know, trained and completed my first 70.3. And I was in, I joined some women in the morning, got up early and we ran together. And um, it really, it it really forced me to not force me, I should say, but doing that, getting myself out there, you know, because who wants to really force themselves out at five in the morning, but getting out there to do that really allowed me to focus on those conversations and enjoying things. And doing a, a local run club here, a Buffalo run club. It, it's been exciting to like have conversations with people, slow, slow down my pace and really take it easy because not every run needs to be fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's definitely, um, I guess like, yeah, just bliss to be found in some of those easier days and yeah. And same goes for food, right? I mean, just stepping away from the numbers, enjoying a meal without thinking about the content of it is so, so nice. Um, as well. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I don't have anything else in particular on topics. I know we talk a lot about like plant-based diets and we've covered those in depth, but just on like food body relationship with food as athletes, um, anything else there? Or I also wanted to jump over to ultra endurance nutrition at some point, because you had said, I think you've run an ultra or a few. I have not run an ultra, oh. but I've, I've just done my uh, half Ironman, if, if you nice. want to consider that ultra, but not ultra running. No. That's really cool. I've, though. Kind of, I've decided to draw my line, believe it or not. I've done a couple marathons, but <laughs> I realized that they are not for me at this time in my life. Yeah. So 
Um, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's joy to be found in every distance. So Yeah. yeah. yeah or in different distances for different people. So yeah, maybe not, maybe not joy in the hundred, um, for anyone, I don't know, but, uh, or, you know, in some crazy distances, but, um, certainly, yeah, we all have our favorites. So, um, when it comes to your favorite distance to run or to train for, do you have a go-to? I personally love, um, I really do love half marathons and not that there's many of them out there, but where I grew up in Utica, New York, there is the Boilermaker 15K, and it's a it's a huge race. It's actually a lot of um, international it's an international race. A lot of people come in for it, and it is just a fabulous race. I mean, there are I've never participated in a race that has so many people out. The whole community comes out, and it's mm-hmm. it's just it's phenomenal. So if if you love running community and traveling to like different places, like this is a race to do. That sounds pretty amazing, Boilermaker. Yeah. Yes, it's awesome. in July. It's usually pretty darn hot. Um, yeah. But that that's a good one. And I really, the 70.3 for the triathlon was good. And I will say that I had my um, moments during training and my training partner will tell you that I wasn't always pleasant during it because I just had too much, too much on my plate uh, from a, uh, work perspective at that time. I was building my business at that time. So that was kind of another challenge that I had to overcome was, you know, really keeping my focus and training and completing the 70.3 and and building my business. Um, So I learned things. I learned things that I want to do in the future to avoid overwhelm. And uh, I'm going to sign up for another 70.3 this year. Nice. Can you tell us a little more? I actually am not as familiar with 70.3 and I'd love to learn a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's the swim, the bike, and the run portions of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, naturally the run portion came the easiest. So I was happy to know that that last piece of it, the last leg was running, um, that I didn't have to, you know, swim at the end because that mm-hmm. was probably the scariest one of all of them. Um, it's the open water. It's truthfully oh. the open water that makes me panic a little bit, you know, get me in a Great. pool. I'm not the best swimmer, but, yeah. um, it, it was just amazing. It, it really, from an endurance perspective, you know, really test, test your endurance as you can imagine being mm-hmm. out on the course for such a long period of time. But I really just felt like it was not so harsh on my body to participate in three different sports at once. So I really liked what that training looks like, but of course it's a lot. Yeah. So yeah, knowing it can be so much, I guess, training involved and, and how do you, how do you find the balance there between finding time to train, eat, sleep, work, you know, have a family, have a life. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a part-time job. And I know that people that, you know, do full Ironmans, it is, it is a full-on job. So Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely giving yourself a bit of grace, you know, just like running, you know, if you're training for something, missing a workout here or there is not going to ruin anything by any means, even though it does feel stressful to miss workout. Mm -hmm. Um, but also adjusting, adjusting your expectation. And I think foremost, having a conversation with your family and or partner spouse to really, to really explain and hopefully get their support, because I can see that if if the support or understanding maybe isn't there, that that's what you're going to be working on, that it can be a little tough for everyone involved. (laughs) 
Most definitely. Yeah. I think having those conversations early on are always a nice thing and just knowing what's to come and maybe it isn't balance. Maybe it's more of a matter of seasons as you go along. So yeah, it's, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So as we kind of get to the end here, uh, wrapping up, I wanted to ask, do you have like a philosophy? Well, I guess I like the human first athlete, second philosophy, but any sort of like quote that stuck with you or, um, take away that you have kind of just taken into your journey as an RD. You know, well, I can't think of necessarily, you know, a big, like a quote necessarily, but certainly my philosophy is cliche as it sounds is all food fits. And I know people have heard this in some shape or way and maybe have a, like a heck yes, philosophy, a heck yes reaction with it or a like absolutely not reaction with this because it's, it's usually, you know, when it comes to nutrition, there can be a lot of rigidity within it, you know, unfortunately. And if we're thinking ourselves as a human first, you know, of course, you know, I need, I need nutrition to focus as a human, but my mental health is important. I want to get the most out of this life that I have. And if my mind is so preoccupied with food and the numbers around food, I can't live my life to the fullest. So I think, I think if, if I have a philosophy around it too, it's, you know, can you live your life? If you want to live, if you value your living your life to its fullest, um, I encourage you to kind of think if, if rigidity with nutrition is really where you want to be. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question to ask yourself. I think at any stage of where you want to be and to reflect upon. So good, good stuff. Um, when it comes to, we just have a couple more questions here. So I wanted to know, yeah, when it comes to life outside of your career and your athletic journey, what are some of your favorite, maybe passions or things that you're currently lighting up around? a great I love this question so you know for myself I I have my in this house I have my my two dogs and my husband so you know truthfully for me I just love getting outside with a dog it's it's so much fun just to get some fresh air I really love being outdoors I really enjoy hiking Buffalo where I lived growing up was a lot closer to the Adirondacks so it was like easy if you wanted to kind of breeze up there and do those things it's a little bit more of a challenge here. So I'm hoping to kind of get back into that, you know, throughout this year, but love being outdoors. I love cooking and I'm really working on trying to be a little bit more creative this year, believe it or not. So kind of exploring maybe, maybe some painting. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. I just did a watercolor painting the other week and, um, Wow, watercolor is hard. If anyone's done that before, that that's tricky. So um, I appreciate all the watercolor art that I see out there. <laughs> totally agree with um, you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just trying to take up some things that kind of foster creativity. And I personally, in the past several months, have been working on a personal journaling and meditation in the morning, and that has like changed my attitude and perception and how I handle the day and how I feel about my day so much. So. Um, those are some of the things that I do outside of work. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, that's a really cool. Tell me a little bit more or everyone that's listening, like a little more about if you're comfortable sharing your gratitude practice of like, you know, do you write a few things down? Do you have kind of like a ritual around it? So I first started to kind of work on it through some journaling. And at first I stared at my journal and I was like, 
what do I put in here? Is this like a dear diary from when I was like 13? I mean, what do I even <laughs> put in here? And then I started just kind of treating it as, as a brain dump, kind of what was on my mind, what I want to write. But as um, one of the pieces of my community, to go back to the conversation from earlier, I immersed myself in some, some personal growth and business development courses over the past year and some masterminds. And in that, there are a lot of journaling prompts that go into that. So usually I sit down in the morning, I light some candles, I pop the dogs on the couch, and I carve out at least an hour for myself, a half hour if I can't do the full hour. And I will kind of just journal and reflect on some of those prompts. I'm listening to some music. I love my Calm app, so that's another part. Um, but that started off with just five minutes, and then I, I couldn't do it anymore. So I just kept practicing at it. Nice. I love those. Those are all really nice ways to, to journal and practice. I am currently going through the daily stoic by Ryan holiday. And that's been really cool. Yeah. Love it. I love it. And that is, that's a great point. That was absolutely something, one of the pieces that I used from some, for some inspiration Mm -hmm. initially. And I send that to some of my clients sometimes because I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. I'm kind of thinking I should do some journaling with it, you know, as like a way to reflect on some of those prompts he gives or questions he poses because he, he gets you thinking. So they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I love that. I'm glad to hear it. Um, any updates on life in Buffalo, New York, or, you know, pertaining to your region for those that live in, in the state or the area? Oh, updates. I'm trying to think updates in regards like running updates or favorite things about your community. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that, um, the Buffalo run club that I was, um, running with when they had like the official Buffalo run club, usually once it gets too dark at nighttime, they kind of stop those runs for the winter. But I know that there's uh, I guess if you want to call it an underground <laughs> Buffalo Run Club after dark, they actually started up like a small running community for those who wanted to continue through the winter months, oh. which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It happens on Thursdays. Um, I know there's actually also a um, in January. So I think that might be in a week or two. There's an indoor uh, triathlon that's coming up, too. So there's some cool things definitely coming up soon and currently. Oh, those are fun. Yeah. Stay tuned. Awesome. Um, lastly, we have a couple more questions. One is looking back, what advice would you give to your younger self? I would say there's probably a few things. So my younger self would be that body image is complex and body image isn't something that is just focused on the way that you look, but it's also on the way that you feel. And you don't always have to feel good about your body and that it's okay to be neutral about the way that your body looks, but important that you appreciate it for what it does for you on a regular basis. Oh, that's good. Good advice. I just really resonate with that too, because I know there's this, this body love movement and acceptance, and I'm I think that's great if you're at that point, but for a lot of people, it's just becoming more neutral with your body and appreciating it, like you said, for what it, for what it can do. So, yeah, thank yeah, you. yeah, I, I, of course. And I also, you know, as, as my younger self, just knowing that, you know, it's okay to be competitive with yourself and want to do good things, but all good things do come in time and 
looking at the big picture is so much more important than looking at yourself where you're at now. You know, if I looked at myself years ago, I wouldn't have been going out every run and, you know, going hard and running fast or, you know, try not to take days off or bumping up my mileage like chaotically week to week because that only, unfortunately, in most cases, it's going to lead to injury. And that's what I experienced. And I'm great, to be honest with you, I'm grateful for that injury because it taught me so much. So, um, yeah, that's another piece of advice mm. I'd give to myself. <laughs> Good. I love that. Um, well, I want to just wrap up with our, our final question. We ask all our guests and then of course, what's coming up, like how can listeners connect with you? Um, what does being a strong runner chick mean to you? Being resilient, really being resilient and having a healthy mindset and having a healthy mindset with yourself as, as a whole person, you know, holistically beyond nutrition, um, mentally, physically, but just being resilient and knowing that, you know, there is a level being strong is there's a level where you push yourself, but there's also a level where you have to know when to take breaks. And I think that makes someone a very strong runner. Well, well said. Uh, lastly, if listeners would like to learn how to work with you as a dietitian or connect with you, do you have openings and how can they do so? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually on Instagram at sports. RD underscore Matt. And I, I do have some openings currently, um, definitely within, within the next couple of weeks. So certainly if you're needing some help, like please reach out. I'm actually in the process of also launching a group program that is focused on building a solid foundation with nutrition. And it's so funny because I was listening, um, by the way, the last podcast with Natalie was phenomenal. Like I got so much out of that. Um, but with building those foundations, like how, how your podcast is, is focused over these next few weeks, um, it pairs along with that nicely because that's what that group program is focused on. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, we're super excited to launch this one. And if you're listening to this, it's been launched now for at least a couple of weeks. But um, we have, like I said, we have wonderful dietitians like Natalie, uh, you know, joining us today. And then we also have, um, oh, what else? We have, we have, uh, MDs, we have a couple of, so we're really trying to bring in the professionals. Um, we have a chiropractor, a physical therapist, PhD researchers. So trying to bring in some of the best in the biz or the really well, um, well knowledge um, professionals in the space to kind of talk about what, what does health as a foundation mean and how can we dive deeper into that as athletes? So really appreciate your time today. Thanks for being part of it. And uh, can't wait to release this episode and share it. So thank you so much. So yeah, thank you so much. And I can't wait to listen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks strong runner chicks for tuning in. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and be sure to leave a review if you found this helpful and follow along with Natalie on Instagram. All right. Thanks for listening to the strong runner chicks radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.